The previous Mishnah talked about the Anshe Mishmar, who are the Kranim who are serving the Mesa Mikdosh that week, and the Anshe Beis Av, who are the Kranim who are serving the Mesa Mikdosh that day. Those are the groups within each Mishmar, and about whether they had to be part of the fasting of the rest of the community. Now, since we talked about the differences between the Anshe Mishmar and the Anshe Beis Av, this Mishnah continues to compare them, although it is not exactly related to the fast itself. The halach is that it is forbidden for a coin to come into the Beis HaMikdash and to serve in the Beis HaMikdash while he is drunk. And because of that, certainly the Anshe Beis Av, those who are serving the Beis HaMikdash that day, it will be forbidden to, for them to drink wine. The question is, what about the Anshe Mishmar? So Anshe Mishmar, the people who are part of that Mishmar serving in the Beis HaMikdash that week, but it's not their turn on that day. They are permitted to drink wine during the night, since during the night there's very few services done in the Beit HaMikdash. It's really just a matter of burning the previous day's carbonus on the Mizbeach. And so the Anshim Mishmar will definitely not be needed. However, they are not allowed to drink wine during the daytime, since if there is need for more Karnim, for example, if there are lots of carbonus being bought on a specific day, so even the Anshim Mishmar, whose turn it is not that day, Karnim from there would be called upon to join the service. And so since that is relatively likely to happen during the daytime, or at least it's a possibility, so it is forbidden for them to drink wine during the day, the Anshim Beis Av. And when it comes to the people of the Beis Av who are serving that day, so of course, they are forbidden to drink wine both during the day and during the night, as long as it is their turn to serve. Because it's forbidden to serve when drunk. Now, as well as the 24 Mishmaris, the 24 groups of Karnim, there were also 24 groups known as Ma'amodais. These are made up of the rest of the Jewish people who are not Karnim. And the reason why there would be 24 groups of Ma'amodais is because the Torah commands that when a Korban is being brought for somebody, he has to be there. Now, when it comes to Korbanos which are being brought for the entire community, there needs to be representatives there present on behalf of the rest of the Jewish people. So everybody was split into 24 groups. And again, they would go to the Beis HaMikdash for one week at a time, just like the 24 Mishmaris. Now, the truth is, not all of the members of the Anshim would go to the Beis HaMikdash. Most of them would gather in the shuls in their community and daven and read certain parts from the Torah. And we'll learn more about that later on in this Masechta. But the Mishnah tells us that Anshim Mishmar and Mahmud, people who are part of that week's Mishmar or that week's Mahmud, it's forbidden for them to have a haircut or to wash their clothes. The reason being that we want them to do it before they begin serving, or before they begin being part of that week's Mahmud, so that they come in looking respectable, with clean clothes, having shaven. And so we say that it's forbidden to do so during that week so that they'll do it before then. However, on Thursdays, it is permitted for them to have a haircut and to wash their clothes because of the honor of Shabbos. All the more so, it will be permitted to do so on Friday. The point is, even on Thursday, when the Shabbos preparations begin, even then would it be permitted. Mishnachetz, the focus of this Mishnah is the Megillas Tanis, which was a scroll in which many different dates were written in that scroll and what miracles occurred on those dates. Most of these miracles occurred during the time of the second Beis HaMikdash, and although those dates were not enacted as being real Yom Toivim, they were considered to be sort of minor Yom Toivim, similar to Purim and Hanukkah. Now, of those dates which are written in Megillas Tanis, some of them where there were bigger miracles, so it would be forbidden to fast on those days, and it would be forbidden to eulogize somebody who had died, to speak about somebody who had died, to arouse the emotions, that would be forbidden on that day because one is supposed to rejoice slightly on that day. 
And there are other miracles which occurred, which are slightly smaller, and therefore it's permitted to eulogize dead people on that day, but it is forbidden to fast. So says the Mishnah, Any date which is written in the Megillas Tanis, that it is forbidden to eulogize a dead person, and all the more so forbidden to fast, Lefonov, the day before that date, Osur is also forbidden to fast or to eulogize. This is in order that people don't come to doing so on the day itself. of Mutar. However, on the day after the special Yom Tov, the minor Yom Tov, it's permitted, since we're not concerned that if you do it after, the, the, after that Yom Tov has already ended, that you might come the next year to do it on the Yom Tov itself. Rebiyasi says, no, of Asur. It is forbidden to fast and eulogize both the day before and the day after in order to be cautious that the spirit of the Yom Tov be kept and that people do not come to do these things on the day of Yom Tov itself. Now the other dates where it says the Lolos behind that it's forbidden to fast on those days but it is permitted to eulogize so it's not considered to be as much of a joyous day according to the Tanakama Lefon of of Mutar it is permitted both the day before and the day after to fast because we are less strict since anyway the day itself is less strict and less of a significant Yom Tov. But once again Rabbi Yaisi is more strict and he says Lefon of Osir the day before is forbidden to fast of Mutar and the day after it is permitted to fast. Mr. Tess, we have mentioned a number of times that each set of fasts begins always on a Monday. If, for example, there are three fasts in one set, if three fasts are decreed at one go, so they would fast on the Monday, and then the Thursday, and then the Monday after that. And even though one of the main reasons given for why the fasts are specifically on Monday and Thursday of all days, so one of the reasons given is that Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Sinai to receive the second set of Luchais on a Thursday, and he came down on Yom Kippur, which fell on a Monday. So since the receiving of the Luchais Shaniyas, of the second set of Luchais, was a sign of Hashem forgiving us for the sin of the Egel Azahov, so we want to invoke that merit, and we also want to be forgiven via these fasts. And so we fast on the Thursday and the Monday. Now I would have thought that just like Moshe Rabbeinu went up on a Thursday, and then came down on a Monday, so it would make sense for us to start fasting on a Thursday, because that's when Moshe Rabbeinu went up. But the Mishnah says in Gozun Tanis Bachamishi, the Basin do not decree a fast or a series of fasts to begin on a Thursday if the fasts are being decreed on the entire community. And the reason is in order not to distort the market prices. If there is a fast on Thursday, then people are gonna to go to the shops for food on Thursday, and apart from buying food for Shabbos like they do every week, they're also going to buy lots of food to break the fast on Thursday night. So when the shopkeepers see that everybody is all of a sudden buying lots more food than regularly, they'll think that, you know, after all of this time that rain hasn't come down, people are starting to figure out that there's going to be a famine, and there's going to be a shortage of food, and that's why everybody is buying much more food. Now in times of a famine, the food prices are raised quite a lot. So the shopkeepers are going to end up raising the prices of the food, and it will be far more expensive and difficult for everybody. And so to prevent that occurring, the first set of three, ta- of three fasts, should be done in a, in a sequence of Monday, Thursday, Monday. If the first fast is on a Monday, then people are only going to buy food for that night. They'll wait until later on in the week to buy more food for Shabbos. So the shopkeepers won't get this feeling that there's a famine coming, and they won't raise the prices. 
And once the fast has already started, so the shopkeepers will figure out that the reason why people are buying more food is not because of the famine coming, but because of the fasts. Now, once they have fasted the first set of three fasts, what about the next set of fasts? As we learned in the first Perek, at the beginning, only three fasts are decreed at a time. So when it comes to the second set of three fasts, do they need to wait until the following Monday? Or can they just carry on on that Thursday immediately? Or even the next Thursday? So according to the Tanakama, the Sholi Shaniyais, the set of the, the second set of three fasts can be done even Thursday, Monday, Thursday, because since the shopkeepers already realized that people are fasting, so even when they continue buying more food on Thursdays, they'll realize that it's for the same reason, and that is that they are still fasting. However, says, just like the first set of fasts cannot begin on a Thursday, so too the second lot of fasts, and also the last fasts, the last seven fasts, they also cannot start on a Thursday, rather a Monday. Rabiosi's reason is that they wouldn't continue fasting straight away that same Thursday after the Monday which they finished fasting the first set. They would always wait, you know, at least a week to see if Hashem would answer their prayers, to see if it de- indeed it would rain. And then if by the time it came to Shabbos, let's say, it hadn't yet rained, so on Shabbos when everybody gathers into the shuls and everybody is present, they would announce again that we're fasting again, starting from this Monday. So since now there's been at least a week gap, they would need to start on Monday and not that Thursday, because then that would mean waiting a week and a half, and certainly the shopkeepers might this time think it indeed is a famine, and not just because people are still fasting. Mr. Yud, certainly it is forbidden to fast on a Shabbos or Yom Tov, and we're going to see in this Mishnah that even on other dates of the year, which aren't necessarily as severe, as significant of a day as Shabbos and Yom Tov, one is allowed to work, etc. Nevertheless, since there is an aspect of rejoicing, it will be forbidden to fast on those days as well. So firstly, in Gozim Tanis al the Basin do not decree a fast on the community Berish Chodesh, on Rosh Chodesh, since the Torah refers to the day of Rosh Chodesh as a Moed, a significant date, and that's the same word which is used to describe the other Yom Tovim. So we learn from there that even on Rosh Chodesh as well, it is forbidden to fast. And by Hanukkah, by Purim, on Hanukkah and Purim, although they are only Midrabonon, they are still considered to be joyous days on which it's forbidden to fast, and so the fasts are not decreed to be on those days. We learned earlier on in this parak about the Megillas Tanis, which was a scroll which recorded many dates like Hanukkah and Purim, and various miracles which occurred on those dates. And the same would apply on those days, as the Mishnah said explicitly earlier on in this parak, that it is forbidden to fast on those days. However, says the Mishnah, if they had already began a series of fasts, and let's say they hadn't really calculated properly, that one of the future fasts would end up being on a Yom Tov like this, or a Shredesh, but that's what it falls to be. Says the Mishnah, since you've already begun the set of fasts, they do not stop the sets of fasts, and you would need to fast even on the Hanukkah, the Purim, or the Rosh Chodesh. Since at the end of the day, Hanukkah and Purim are only Midrabonon, and even Rosh Chodesh, it's not technically considered a day of rejoicing, it's just also called a Moed. And therefore, once they've already begun a series of fasts, they would continue fasting even on those days. Omar Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir said, Although Rabbi Gamliel said that they wouldn't interrupt, they wouldn't stop these series of fasts, he still agreed that they wouldn't complete the fast, they wouldn't fast all day, rather towards the late afternoon, they'd break the fast slightly early, so that the entire day of Rosh or Hanukkah or Purim would not pass entirely without them having eaten. 
And adds the Mishnah, The same applies to Tishbav which falls on a Friday. Although in our fixed calendar nowadays that cannot occur, during the times of the Mishnah that could occur. And although most fasts, if they fall, if that date falls on a Friday, then they would fast on a Thursday. Since Tishbav is considered more severe, it has to be fasted on the day itself, as long as it's not Shabbos itself. However, they wouldn't complete the entire fast all the way until Shabbos, so that they would not go into Shabbos starving hungry.